Blog Talk Radio. This is All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Call our guest line at any time during the live show at area code 646-727-3235. And let's talk about wine. Again, the phone number to call is 646-727-3235. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. What a crowd. No, no. What a live Yeah. You know, they're happy. Like there's the no crowd. rain. Yeah. No rain? Just, it just finished pouring no, here. Did it? No. I, it, it was rain-free yeah. here today. Yeah. Wow. No, yeah, was, I'm just, I'm just north of Tampa and Mike's around Orlando. and uh, But that's the way Florida is. I mean, you can you can get soaked yeah. in one spot, go across the street, and be laying in the backyard getting suntan. So. <laughs> Just, when you said that, I was thinking about that meme that's uh, they show the front, uh, you know, person looking out the car, and the whole front of the car is just pitch black, low clouds, you know, whatever, like it's about to really hit. And then you look in the rearview mirror, and it's all sunny, bright, and you know, <laughs> cloudy. And that's, <laughs> and that's Florida. I mean, it's just it's just amazing. And yep. what, and it just. The soil in Florida is so unique, too. I, I've never been in a place. I mean, the rains will come in. You know, you'll get a rainstorm that moves through or something like that. Just about everywhere in the country, you'll find that. But I've never lived in a place where uh, it will pour an inch of rain on the ground at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And by 5 o'clock that evening, you can go out and be playing softball or, you know, anything in the yard. And it's just, it's not like it's so soaked you can't play. Uh, mm-hmm. It just sucks it up so fast, and that's the end of it. So, but, that's right. Uh, unique, unique. I'm sure there's other areas in the country I've just never lived that does that, but it's Florida is, <laughs> is very much so that, and because it soaks down to the aquifer and fills up the aquifer, and that's what we live mm-hmm. off of in water, and then we get more and more yeah. people move to Florida, and they're sucking up the aquifer. So, that's right. But. That's right. <clears throat> welcome to Florida. All right. So, welcome to the show. We, uh, Mike and I were just talking before the show about the number of listeners. You guys are out there, and we appreciate that. Uh, hope you're learning something. If you have any comments or anything, get in touch. In fact, I was just thinking about something, too. If you have a local winery that you visit... If you have a local winery that you like to go to or there's one that you've, you've been to locally, email me their phone number, their email, their name. I mean, it doesn't have to be all the information. You don't have to do any major work in finding emails and all that. Just email their name. I've got all the information. I, 
need in my little magic book with all the wineries. So uh, if you got one that you like, email me. I'll get a hold of them and uh, get them on the program or try to get them on the program. Good time of year to do it. They usually we find people that are free and willing to talk. So get in touch with me if you have a local winery that you like and you'd like to see if we can't talk to them and do so. Or if you're out visiting them and mention the program to them and we'll try to get them on, you know, if they know about it and stuff. So I was just thinking about that. And yeah, everybody's visiting their local wineries. Uh, Kathy, my engineer, and I discovered a local brewery. Uh, what was it? A week ago, I guess. Uh, yeah, a week ago, Saturday. Um, or last Saturday. And uh, what was the name of the brewery? Oh, she's bringing me my, our growler because we bought a growler of beer over there. <laughs> Big Storm. Big Storm Brewery. They have three of them around the state of Florida. Big Storm Breweries. And uh, one not too far from here, which we discovered. Um, it's a uh, nice brewery. I mean, wow, they big tanks and uh, big stainless steel tanks. Stainless steel is expensive. I was I was quite impressed with the number of stainless steel tanks they had all over. I'm on your way. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> but. Uh, we discovered a wine, uh, brewery uh, around locally. In fact, there's a couple, three of them around. Uh, this one, we happen to stop in. I'll have to stop in some more of them because uh, I retired and I can do it now while they're open. So if you do, get in touch. Uh, we'll be happy to try to get a hold of them and get them on the program. Tonight. We are going to talk about odds and ends. Anything you you think about, Mike, you want to bring up? Mm, no, not right now. No. Just, uh, so far, so good. Y'all listening to Mike's show, I hope, his <laughs> radio program on sky Blue Sky. Blue I was going to say Big Sky. sky. That's my Montana. Blue Sky. The other way. Sky Blue. It is. <laughs> sky Blue. All right, there you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got something else I need to write down. Now, how can Sky Blue. Yeah, I, I know that. Sky Blue. He's okay. on uh, Thursday afternoons from 3 to 5, playing a variety of uh, music. You can get in touch and uh, uh, make requests, and he can. Check and see where everybody's listening and all that, which is a cool feature. I love that feature that y'all have on that. Uh, yeah. You, you can yeah. check and see where people are listening. But yep. check it out. Is you know, Sky Blue. Radio. Uh, what is it called? Sky Blue. Radio. Sky Blue Radio. Is it Sky Blue Radio? Sky Blue Radio. Yes. Uh, it's not Sky Blue it's, Blog or anything. Just Sky Blue Radio. It's on the internet. No. Check it out. Uh, yeah. Thank you. So, got a few odds and ends to talk to you about tonight. Uh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. As always, we'll keep you informed, get you a little bit more trivia in your head that you can forget. Or if you remember, throw it out at your next party and everybody go, ooh. Here's something for you. And, uh, I told you I was going to give you some 
trivia's uh, every week for a while here. Vol- Volcanic Napa says for its size, just 30 miles long and one to two miles wide. The Napa Valley, California's most famous wine region, has had an eventful past. Now, that's how big it is, too. You think about that. 30 miles long and one to five miles wide, depending on what part you're in. That's small. I mean, that's not a real big place. But the volcanic eruptions that occurred there two million years ago have left behind almost three dozen different types of soil belonging to eight of the 12 major soil classifications found in the entire world. Wow. Pick up a handful of Napa Valley dirt, and chances are you'll be picking up remnants of volcanic rock and ash. In fact, that peaceful-looking mountain marking the valley's northern boundary, Mount St. Helena, is actually an extinct volcano. So, uh, Napa Valley... uh, Soil, quite quite extensive soil there. Uh, let me give you the quote here. This is from Kermit Lynch uh, in Adventures on the Wine Route. He states, great wine is about nuance, surprise, sublimity, expression, qualities that keep you coming back for another taste. Rejecting a wine because it is not big enough is like rejecting a book because it is not long enough, or a piece of music because it is not loud enough. So, something to remember there. You know, you don't have to have these great big bold wines all the time. There are lots of wines out there that can give you some great, great taste, and they're not the big bold Napa wines. All right, we got some things to talk to you about tonight. And uh, let's see. First one. Uh, This is Seeking the Mystery of Smoke Taint. Now this is, this was a long article. This really, it, it was it stretched on. It was interesting. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. It was. It got into some detail on smoke taint and stuff. I'm not going to go through the whole article with you because, quite frankly, it's it's not that it's boring because it isn't. It's interesting, but I would probably destroy half these scientific words here, and then you wouldn't know what I'm talking about anyway. And it's just long. Uh, but there's a few things I do want to point out to you. The and, and one particular thing here: season and grapevine growth stage and the sensitivity to smoke uptake. Now, smoke taint. Now, this was a study done in Australia. They monitored the winemaking process using smoke-exposed grapes. And they noticed that during the early stages of fermentation, the wine tasted okay. But the later stages, though, the flavor of smoke taint began to rear its ashy head, as they said. So smoke taint doesn't come out at the beginning there. It's, it's something that we've talked about before. I, I mentioned smoke taint and how it sort of fools you. Early spring. Shoots are about 10 centimeters in length. They're just real small, just starting to pop out. 
the sensitivity to smoke uptake on that is very low. Spring, when the vine is flowering, and you see the little uh, bits of small flowers popping out all over the place, again, the sensitivity is low. Get into late spring, the berries start popping out into pea size. That raises the chances of smoke paint from low to medium. And it could still be low, depending on what time the fires go through. Late spring, early summer, berry bunches begin to close. You're starting to, instead of just having a little bit here, you're getting them much more compact. Again, it goes from low to medium in smoke tank uh, susceptibilities. Summer, berries begin to ripen, uh, Verizon, as we call it. Smoke tank, medium. And then, late summer, early autumn, berries have ripened, and this goes through August. The chance of smoke tank is high. So, and the reason I wanted to point this out is some of the grapes that were harvested after the fires in California could have possibility of smoke tank. They don't know yet. I haven't seen any reports or anything. But it says that, you know, according to this, it could. It says, by exposing field-grown grapevines to smoke at various stages of the grape growth cycle, researchers have discovered that the plants are most susceptible to smoke tank close to harvest. So, it just, I'm, again, not going to go through the article, but that's just something that was uh, quite interesting in that old chart. Something else here. A taste of wine science. This is another one I'm not going to get into detail on. This was another long article, and it, it was is a little bit more scientific. Not that you probably would not understand it and enjoy it. It's just that it is long, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. But uh, interesting about how people approach the chemical aspects of wine. Most people don't know. You go into a tasting room, the winemaker, if he is there, like I was at ours, or the staff all over the place, wherever they happen to be, will pour you a glass of wine and tell you about the great quality or if they're doing barrel aging, a little bit about that and, you know, what they did to put it together to make that wine and just, you know, the flavors and aromas that you could expect out of it. But I never said, and I'd never been into a winery that did say, uh, the pH on this is setting at such and such, or uh, the, any of the science talk about the wine, because people don't, I think, care. Maybe they did. I've had some people come in and ask me questions that were obviously leaning toward that and when they did I was always happy to tell them all about it and the guests that were with them many times you can see were not thrilled uh, but the person who asked the question obviously did it before and so they expected that of them but there's uh, a lot in the, the technical aspect of a wine that could be interesting that you uh if you knew a little bit more about it, you can 
probably in, enjoy some of the stuff that you're tasting. Uh, there's a team, and this, again, is out of Australia. Um, a uh, team continued using their sensomatic approach to investigate a multitude of wines. They found that the same 60 or so key aromas and taste molecules describe every wine. And what makes one wine taste like a Merlot and other taste like a Cabernet Sauvignon is the difference in these key compound concentrations. That's also why even if you have a wine from the same winery this year and last year, they might taste similar but not identical. In the vineyard, minor changes in the uh, molecules concentrations are induced in the grapes by variations in temperature, humidity, and everything else. We're talking terror here, okay? And that's really what everything else is. Uh, so little differences like that in the wine chemicals is what gives you your little difference. Here is something that was interesting. The taste and feel of the Italian wine Amarone can be reproduced with only 35 chemical compounds, uh, according to enologists. You can put together 35 compounds and you've got it. Now, uh, these compounds, I'm not going to even attempt to pronounce every one of them for you, but uh, they have them broken down in the puckering astringent compounds, the bitter astringent compounds, uh, which is high alcohol content, increases the perception of bitterness. Uh, the velvety astringent and the compounds for that, sweet or mouthfeel compounds, salty, and these compounds help suppress the uh, sourness, the perceived sourness in a wine. And then sour, these compounds help amplify the puckering astringent perception. And these, this is it. This is what you're going to find in wines. Uh, the sour, they're all acids, tartaric acid, acidic acid, succinate acid, malic acid, uh, lactic, citric, galacturonic uh, acid. And so, and salty, it's uh, magnesium chloride, ammonium chloride, potassium phosphate. These are all things that you're going to find in different wines, only in different amounts to give you the different taste. So chemicals, chemicals in a wine. Uh, whenever you talk about chemicals or anything uh, in wines, and we, I've talked about different chemicals that are added and stuff like that, these are natural. These are things that are in the wines, and you're going to find them in all wines in varying degrees to give you your varying taste. So a taste of wine. <coughs> Excuse me. There is a great book out called The Taste of Wine, A Taste of Wine. It's put together by numerous different authors. I've, I've read about half of them, so I worked my way through it. It's fascinating, and it goes into a lot of detail. Jamie Cook 
which I love him as an author about wine. If you don't have any of it, he has a couple of books out. If you don't have any of them, it's well worth it. You can pick them up on Amazon for, I don't know, 20 bucks or something. Uh, but they're very good. He goes into semi-scientific approach to a lot of this stuff. And A Taste of Wine, he's one of the authors in that book. But check it out if you're so inclined to look at other areas of wine that might not be, well, might not commonly think about or run across. Those things are something that is really fun reading, fun to fun to look at. So, but chemicals of wines and stuff like that. Oh. You know, last week, I think I did a talk on, told you a little bit about the serious drought in Africa that's going on. So, the new thing now is infusing alcohol drinks or alcohol mixes, vodkas, and you know, they're even looking at some wines with cannabis or cannabis chemicals or, well, marijuana is as you know it. The overall marijuana sales in the United States amounted to approximately $9 billion in 2017. Uh, sales of hemp products for the same period who were at just under $1 billion. Uh, the U.S.'s witnessing a widespread interest in legalization of cannabis in various forms for medicinal, recreational, and nutraceutical purposes. That's been going on for a while. We all know that. As the cannabis laws have evolved the uh, and marijuana's popularity is becoming more mainstream, it's not a surprise that you're going to start seeing alcohol products infused with different Parts of cannabis, actually, the the regulation. Now, uh, the basics. All right, let's let's get down to the basics. I'm not going to go through all this article, but a cannabis plant contains many compounds, including more than 100 cannabinoids. Uh, one of them, cannabidiol (CBD), is the most common. Uh, tetrahydrocannabinol or THC is the psychoactive uh, cannabinoid if you're following me on that cannabis also contains numerous terpenes which provide the distinct aromas and flavors that you find in marijuana hemp and marijuana are both derived from cannabis sativa L but they are different varieties that are grown for different purposes. Hemp contains only trace amounts of THC, and it's less than 0.3%, uh, essentially making any uh, psychoactive effect impossible. And hemp has been illegal to grow for a long time, I, I believe, in the United States. I, I don't think, and I may be wrong, I don't think hemp is legal because it's um, well, cannabis and I've read articles where you know, they talk of the 
it's going to start popping up in a lot of stuff. Uh, let's see. Oops. Oh. Uh, New Hampshire. When I was at the winery, I was shipping wine different places. I shipped wine to New Hampshire once. Of all the states I shipped wine to, New Hampshire was the only one that Attorney General, the Attorney General of New Hampshire wrote me a letter, I'm sure it was his office, saying, don't do that. Don't do that anymore. You are not allowed to ship wine here. You can't do shipping. You can be fined. You can be sued. You can be, you know, and a really nasty little letter. So I quit shipping in New Hampshire. I told anybody if they wanted wine, they'd have to carry it in or go to another state and pick it up. New Hampshire is tight. And in interstate shipping becomes a more contentious issue in more states. Many are stepping up and trying to regulate it. New Hampshire, as a somewhat progressive control state, has long allowed wine entities with the right permits to ship directly to customers. This option was intended to give the state's residents access to additional wine brands. However, according to a review of the December-January 2017 shipments by one such entity, which happens to be a billion-dollar retail operator, shows 115 products shipped into New Hampshire. Of those products, they ship 60% are already available at the stores. In fact, they have multiple SKUs in different sizes and varieties. There are well-known ones like Yellowtail, Syrah, La Crema Chardonnay, Tim Crawford, Sauvignon Blanc, and Decoy by Duckhorn. It is noted that New Hampshire Liquor Commission says that they should not be able to do that because it's already sold in the state. They said that the state is losing money. He estimates that there are approximately 80 retailers shipping in products that is already on the shelves, which adds up to loss of three to four million dollars a year in revenue. He estimates also that the total value of products shipped into the state costs the state 11 to 12 million dollars a year. So, in February the NHLC, which is New Hampshire Liquor Commission, tried to pass a bill, three number, uh, number 353, which would have banned out-of-state retail shipments to consumers. But it was tabled. In May, an amendment to the House Bill 1626 was introduced at the request of the NHLC, again, that says that the commission may deny a direct shipper permit to any out-of-state retailer which is domesticized in the state that does not extend equal and reciprocal shipping privileges to New Hampshire businesses. Which is basically, if you're going to ship it in here, we should be able to ship to you. Yeah, so if states don't allow New Hampshire business to ship to them, they're not going to allow them to ship there. The bill, HB House Bill 1626, has passed the House and now has to the Senate. 
You know, the Hampshire Liquor Commission Board recently is pushing this real hard. They're saying that um, if uh, in Missouri, if you want a bottle of Jack Daniels, you go to the grocery store. Uh, he says that depriving the government of revenue shouldn't be a deciding factor in how wine is sold. As long as an entity can satisfy licensing and permit standards in the state, they should be able to ship into the state. But uh, the New Hampshire Liquor Control Board, our liquor commission, is saying that we are losing money. We are losing all you know millions and millions of dollars a year by allowing this, and so we have to stop it. And so it's waiting for the Senate to pass it, state Senate. If you are a New Hampshire resident, contact your state legislatures and tell them that you don't like this. Tell them to butt out. And, uh, you know, or else you're going to lose out on a lot of direct shipping possibilities there. So New Hampshire is lowering the boom on wine shipping. It's just sad. It's really sad to do that stuff. Um. Okay, now let's see what we got here. Let's do a little bit of trivia, why don't we? Okay, I'll pull that up before I do it. And where is that? Uh, oh, there we go. Anthelography. <coughs> <coughs> Now we're getting a little bit of rain here. You said I said I wasn't getting rain. Now I'm getting it. We're sending it that way. We have we have free shipping of our thunderstorms and rain to the west coast of Florida. When we sometimes appreciate that, mostly not. So I will introduce a bill Unlike, into the house. <laughs> Unlike New Hampshire, we do allow direct shipping of our. You do allow recipients. And we do send some to you, so I guess it's fair. Yes, you do. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> and prolography. Let's say you were standing in front of a vineyard. How would you know it's Merlot, not Malbec, you're looking at? Basically, we probably wouldn't. But there are people, amphilographers, who would. Amphilographers, and that's spelled A M P E L. O-G-R-A-P-H-Y, or P-H-E-R-S, are experts in amphilography, the science of the identification and classification of grapevines according to their physical properties, such as the size and shape of their leaves and grape clusters. That's an amphilographer. As it turns out, there are only a few great amphilographers worldwide. And in the future, there may be none. As with people, it's now possible to identify grape varieties by their DNA. So there you go. That's an interesting little thing to remember there. Amphilographer. Well, don't, don't go to UC Davis for a degree in amphilography because it might be a dying, and it may be a dead art there. Okay, now, 
I saw this article and I read through it. It was fascinating. It really was fascinating. And it was very technical, um, uh, but it was fine. It's, the article said, the effect of soil on cork quality. And it actually said a technology report article. So it is, it, it got, you know, it, it goes into quite a bit. They, cork is the bark of a cork oak tree, which we've talked about. So the cork is 100% natural and a recyclable product. Um, in fact, cork quality is evaluated differently in the tree before debarked or its manufactured stoppers. In the forest, the evaluation is qualitative and subjective. So there is no uh, reproductibility or traceability in its evaluation. Cork quality is commonly attributed to genetic factors, excluding the influence of site conditions like soil and climate. So no terror for cork. But this study actually decided to check and see if it 135 trees from 28 circular plots with a 30 meter radium distributed by different cork oak stands in um, the region between the Tagus River and the Sado, the Sado River in Portugal were chosen. At least five trees per plot were selected for cork samples and uh, for reference and support. The cork sample preparation was done. Uh, one sample uh, of 20 by 20 centimeters square was obtained from each select tree. The corks were then boiled for one hour in order to improve its mechanical capabilities, hence the thickness and porosity, and then place in a vented area to straighten out so that they would dry. Cork thickness was measured to 0.02 millimeter. The measurements were done at both ends and everything. Cork por uh, porosity was measured so with a digital camera. And then the soil around the cork trees were identified. All of them had soil samples around the trees and everything. And they did a soil analysis on each of them, looking for organic matter, total nitrogen, organic carbon, uh, phosphorus, potassium, micronutrients, pH, exchange acidity, and the exchangeable bases are changeable bases and came up with the formula to check and see how much of this was in each one around it. Uh, they have tables and charts and everything that they went through and then they had the results and the discussions based on all these tables and charts. And they grafted it out for the 28 plots. Again, this goes on and on. And there's all sorts of graphs and everything. It, 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 really, it was quite interesting. Quite interesting what they do. After all this is said and done, the question was, at the beginning, we asked, the effect of soil on cork quality, is it an effect? Does it make a difference? Does the soil make a difference in the quality of cork? 
And the bottom line, after all of these tests, after all of this done, the answer is yes. It does make a difference. And, you know, you think, why wouldn't it? And, you know, that's always something, whenever they start doing this with all the soil qualities and stuff, why would the soil not affect the cork oak trees? It just seems like a no-brainer. Of course it will. It's going to affect it because of what's in the soil, what the tree is picking up, and what's being fed into it and all that stuff. So it's... But yes, it does. It does affect it. It's, and this is what they discovered after this study and after doing all this stuff and everything. They concluded that there's a high correlation between the pork caliber and uh, the total nitrogen, the exchange of acidity, magnesium, potassium, calcium, sodium in the soils, and of the cork oaks. The lower the items are in the plots where uh, corks have a, a higher caliber, it really shows a difference. So, Yes, certain chemicals in the soil around cork oak trees will make for better corks that will ultimately be better closures for wine. And it's, uh, if you're interested in reading this whole thing, let's see, where can you find it? Let me see if I can guide you to it. Uh, Effect of soil on cork quality. Uh, all right, here we go. Go to www.frontiersin, F R O N T I E R S I N, frontiersin.org, then slash articles, and then Article a slash article then slash ten point three three eight nine. So that should take you right to that article. And if you if you're interested in reading it, it's uh, actually I thought it was good reading. It really it went into a little detail, but it was it was good reading. So and it get little charts and told you how the pH and how all this stuff worked with it and and how they use their codes and all that stuff. Well well conducted survey. But bottom line, does the soil affect the quality of pork? Yes. Uh, all right, let's get rid of this and let's look at. Uh, look at this. The next big thing in wine. What is the next big thing in wine? Well, wine obviously is the next big thing in wine. Uh, always something new, always something interesting. But they're saying here, the next big thing in wine, and this is from uh, experts at uh, Thoughts on Future Trends at the Wine Market Council's annual meeting in Napa. They're saying the next big thing in wine is not the big, bold reds, cabs, and all that, which will likely continue to dominate by some areas, but more refreshing, light, fruity. The younger generation, the millennials, are looking for 
the lighter ones. Uh, not so much the Sauvignon Blanc and the Pinot Grigios, but ones that, if they do go Sauvignon Blanc or Pinot Grigio, it's going to be lighter. It's going to be fruitier. It's going to show uh, fruitiness overall. The other whites and other reds, uh, anything but Chardonnay and Cabernet Sauvignon, are going to pick up, and you're going to start seeing more of those becoming popular. Uh, Verdeo, uh, Gruner Wittliner, Gamay Noor are going to be some that people are going to be looking for. These are some that wineries are going to start throwing on the shelves more, not in mass quantities, but they're predicting that these are ones that are going to be picked up off the shelves and tried. The industry also is saying that they're looking at prices. Uh, millennials are a little bit more concerned about prices and what's going to happen with prices. The big thing that they think is going to happen is the impact of cannabis. And I just read you that article of what they're doing to infuse it. But they said that the preliminary tax information reviewed from states where recreational cannabis is legal, the biggest impact appears to be consumers eliminating the pre-dinner drink in favor of a cannabis product. Which, whoa, let's have a before-dinner glass of wine. No, let's have something that's, you know, other than that. Uh, a little smoke of marijuana and, and What's the appetite, if you will? They are skeptical about cannabis as a major impact, but yet it is already starting to show up in different areas and it's starting to drive farming costs up faster than the wineries because of increased demand for workers, which is another aspect of it that people, I don't think, considered uh, the demand for workers. More than 51% of those surveys reported that they are just drinking less alcohol in general than for the health reasons that they originally attributed to it. So, if you're looking at what's happening in the future and what this panel says, it's going to be lighter wines, fruitier wines. The wines that we have looked at in the past and overlooked in the past, uh, Vermentino. Uh, is one that they're saying. Uh, Sauvignon Blanc, possibly from Lake County or something like that. Vermouth, reds that are darker than rosés, but lighter than a popular red blend that you're finding now. These are the things that is being predicted by this panel, and these are knowledgeable people. You know, the sommelier in here, and president of the Guild Somme, um, people who are knowledgeable in their fields. Um, I can give you their names, but you have probably have never heard of of them. They're big big wigs in the wine business that we don't we don't hear listen to much. Uh, let's see, rosé wine cells are staying hot. They're they're still out there. Um, very very popular rosés. Let's see. Oh, 
five healthy habits for longer life. You know you're supposed to work out, eat well, do all the healthy things and all that stuff. Do it. But a new study led by Harvard's T.H. Chan School of Public Health find these following five lifestyles, habits, that can increase your life uh, by a number of years. Eating a healthy diet, yes, we know. Exercising regularly, yes, we know. Maintaining a healthy, a healthy body weight, yes, we know. Not smoking, yes, we know. And drinking alcohol in moderation. Wine, a glass of wine a day. And, you know, we hear studies that say don't do it. We hear studies that say do do it. We hear studies don't do it. Five to 15 grams a day for women and five to 30 grams a day for men, which is approximately one glass of wine for women and one glass or two for men, created a longer life expectancy just in wine alone. They found that all five risk factors can lower or increase life expectancy by you know, 18 to 20 years. Uh, if you do not practice at age 50, if you do not practice any of these, uh, women can expect to live 29 more years. And men can expect to live 25.5 years. We know that women have a longer life expectancy than men. But if you adopted all five of these low risk factors, your expectancy at 50 for a woman would be another 43.1 years as opposed to 29, and for men, 37.6 years as opposed to 25.5. So it can increase your life by 12 years plus by following some of these things, and wine alone can help increase your life expectancy by two to three years. So... It doesn't mean that you can just do wine alone and expect not to, you know, continue to smoke and be obese and all that stuff. That's not going to work that way, but wine will help. Uh, So the latest report, again, as we always run across new reports or new studies and new reports and new things all the time, the latest one, is, yeah, drink a glass of wine a day. It's good for you. And speaking of wine a day, Bonnie Doom. Bonnie Doom's a big winery. It's one of the biggest ones in the country, actually. Bonnie Doom has expanded its imagination portfolio to include a pink, fizzy wine in a can. It is called Fizzy Pink Wine of the Earth 2017. And it's now available in their Davenport Tasting Room. And the winery will soon be making the four packs, which is going to sell for $32, and flats of 24 cans available to the world. Now, it's got a, it's a black can with a pink bull moose on the label. 
and it's it's, it's basically quintessential Randall Graham, who is a winemaker at Bonnie Dune. Light alcohol, a uh, blend of her own grapes, long on Grenache. Uh, it's a pretty blush, refreshing, and with a bit of bubbly. They said they found it, uh, of those who tried it, found it quite refreshing. Perfect summer party wine. Uh, and they envisioned setting around a pool with uh, cans of the uh, frizzante wine packed on ice. Um, they said it offers a bright nose of minerals and fresh picked leaves. Um, it's a thinking woman's matus and the newest uh, BDV offering would be that's Bonnie Dune Vineyards offering would be bright uh, brilliant with ham sandwiches, barbecue ribs, burgers or hot dogs so think of this no glass to worry about so the perfect drink for around the pool or coming up on the 4th of July so you know uh, that sounds interesting. The Bonnie Dune Sparkling. Look for, again, the Fizzy Pink Wine of the Earth 2017. Uh, four packs of $32. I, it doesn't say in, in anywhere in the article did I see anything about the size. I, I looked through it and checked. So I don't know what, what the size is, but uh, they uh, didn't give the size at all on that. And something else I was going to talk about that, but I won't, but I'll give you a tease for next week. I found a great article here on Pinot Noir. It's a secret. Here, let me give you a teaser. Pinot is a little bit misunderstood. Recent findings have shown us that all Pinot varieties are not just related, but, but are in fact the same. All right. Time to get to the bottom of the story of Pinot. It's an ancient grape that's been bootlegged and cloned for centuries. Uh, Pinot Noir, Pinot Blanc, Pinot Gris are not just related, they are the same grape. Okay, so we will talk about that next week. That was that was my tease for this week. Um, but mm-hmm. we'll talk about that next week. We'll talk about Pinot Noir and Pinot Gris and all that other stuff and the clones and the different clones and um, you know, the styles of uh, Pinot Gris, and, and just all sorts of stuff. Uh, more than you ever expected to learn and know about the Pinot family. And no, we will not be talking about the new one for seniors to keep them from getting up in the middle of the night, having to go to the bathroom so much, the new wine called Pinot More. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> And we're done the show. Had to end the show with that. End the show. Oh, boy. But um, next week we'll the, talk. Yeah. 
<laughs> the cans, the 2017 Fizzy Pink Wine of the Earth, uh, they are four 375-milliliter cans. 375. Three seventy-five. Equals that's two 750-milliliter really bottles. That's no, two, two three seventy-five. That's bottles. a half. So, yeah, so a four-packs won't give you two full bottles. Yeah. Oh, so, so that's thirty-two dollars. Not a bad price then. Yeah. Thirty-two divided by two, twelve, sixteen. Uh, so anyway, I'm not good at math. Anyway, that's like that's like what sixteen, sixteen bottles of sixteen dollars a bottle, roughly. Yeah. Uh, 15, yeah. 16, okay, good. Well, I did figure that out. I didn't even yeah. use a calculator. For, for, a, for a fizzy sparkling wine, that's that. That's not too yeah. bad. Yeah. Okay. Huh. So, oh, there you go. But yeah. So yeah, they have it on their. So, they have it on their website. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just, I, see, that's what I like. That's, I always tell people, yeah. whenever Mike's not here, I say, Mike is very good. If He would be looking this up now if he were here. Okay. Yeah, yeah one of the other things I had to look up was, other thing I had to look up was how to spell science, because I wrote it down on my notes, a taste of wine, you know, the science, uh, the book, the taste of wine. And uh-huh. I looked at it and I go, science, I did not spell science wrong. I spelled it S-C-I-E-N-C-E. I went to Google, of course. And that is the way you spell it, but it just looked wrong. So I had to search for that. There was something else I had to search for, and I forgot what it was. But uh, yes, science cannabis. Is, is I misspelled what? cannabis. I have no idea how to spell cannabis, but uh, oh, anyway, so I, I misspelled that. Yeah, and and this stupid editor I have doesn't have the you know where it underlines your misspelled words because it it's a oh. friendly <laughs> editor because it doesn't it doesn't tell you how how dumb you are because you can't spell you know simple words like science. Oh, but so I went so. I had to go to Google twice today because just for that, but yeah. there were other things plus the plus the can. So best, yeah, best I think thing about computers, you got that <laughs> spell check. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, this is this is like a programming editor, so it doesn't it doesn't have that because you can misspell yeah. things when you're doing programming. So it's just dumb. Wow. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> that was good. Yeah, yeah, you you were talking about uh, getting into that story earlier and. Um, one did not was not able to cover it, so that's good. We'll do it next yeah, week. Yeah, I just we'll, yeah. We'll I, I, some of these other things I want to get out of the way, and I, and I look down and I go, "Oh my gosh!" I, yeah, time uh, time is gone. <laughs> All right. Um, so we'll try it again next week. Hold on, just a second. Um, anyway, yeah, I didn't want to cough in the microphone uh thanks everybody for uh, tuning in and we will see you all uh next week it'll be june the 7th uh tomorrow is the start of hurricane season here in the uh, south the east north the east uh, you know uh, in the u.s so um we're just affected by you know, it uh, as well speaking of hurricanes north. yes that little one that just went by us and hit the coast caused a lot of flooding yeah it wasn't uh, a hurricane yet, though, was it? I think it was just a like a, it was tropical, a tropical storm. Subtropical yeah. storm. Oh, okay. Our tropical yeah. depression, I think. I don't even know if it got yeah. into the storm, but I was yeah, amazed were... about how much flooding that thing caused. Yeah, a lot of rain, unbelievable, and downpours. Just, of... Wow, it's amazing. All of you, all of you out there that were affected by it, I hope everything's okay because I, I didn't realize. I really did not realize how much rain that thing caused. I started to read the paper about different different rain and seeing different articles on the internet and stuff like that. And I was shocked about how much rain. Yep. So. <clears throat> yeah, it, was, it was pretty bad. Um, yep. Well, yep. And, and it's still raining. It's still raining out like every day. I don't know what's up yeah. there now, but it's just 
Now they're just like now they're just laughing at us. Oh, we'll throw some more rain on them. It's Florida. They can do it. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. And everything, <laughs> we'll turn that, all the all the retention ponds are full and all the lakes are full and yeah. yeah. This, we're just gonna be walking on sponges pretty soon, just soaking up all that. Yeah. You're talking about how the how we just soak up all the water. Well, pretty soon it's gonna get too much and it's just gonna say, nah, we're not we're not doing it anymore. We're gonna have standing water everywhere. Like like it's not gonna drain. Well, I played golf today and I'll tell you there was a lot of areas <laughs> where that was that was a water hazard right in the middle of the fairway. I mean, and, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. A lot of water on the grounds and stuff. So I thought it'd be too hot to get out there and play play golf. Now, I mean, it's, it's the, the temperature's getting up there. I mean, it's it is it, it is warm. We 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 were warm, but you know, we take our time and you know hydrate. Yeah, and, yeah that's true. And so you know, it's if we get too hot, we sit in the cart and slow down for a little bit. But yeah. it was wet wet golf course and really. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. Um, good stuff there. Uh, well, at least uh, hopefully it was fun. So there you go. Uh, it was. Good. It was. It always good was. Time. Always is. So, <laughs> so right. we we'll see uh, everybody uh, next week, uh, June the seventh, seven p.m. right here on Block Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in. And um, like like we said earlier in the broadcast, if you you know frequent or uh, you've been to any wineries that you're uh, really fond of, you want to you know, have us talk to them on the air. That'd be great. We'd love to talk to them. And, um, you know, uh, if you've heard our past shows, you know what we ask. It's the same, you know, pretty much thing. So it's not any, any new, uh, you know, shocking questions or anything. So, um, just, uh, very easy flowing and, and, uh, a good pace. So, and a good, uh, good way to uh, advertise their business as well. You know, have them contact us or, you know, use the, uh, contact form on the website, all about winebtr.com. And uh, there's a form on there. You can just put your uh, info on and send it out. Ron gets it, and um, he can respond to it and go from there. Hopefully, we'll have, uh, have him on the air soon. So thanks a lot for that, and we'll see you all next week. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in. See you next week. Thank you. Oh, wrong one. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. <laughs>